Welcome to the Pod of Asclepius, your healthcare technology podcast for the technical crowd. No fluff, no sale pitches, just important technical ideas described well. And here's your host, Glenn Wright Colophy. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today we have what I hope is a very fun and practical episode. First, we're going to talk about analytics in the hospitals and the ways in which hospitals prioritize their different analytics projects. And then what we're going to do is jump over to another very practical issue, which is the Conference of Statistical Practice, which is a great conference meant for practitioners and people working heavily in the applied data science area. And to lead us through this very practical journey is Eric Stevens, who's Chief Analytics Officer of Nashville General Hospital. So without further ado, Eric, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Glenn. Yes, my name is Eric Stevens. I'm the Chief Analytics Officer at Nashville General Hospital here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I've been with the hospital for about a year and a half now. Nashville General is actually the city safety net hospital in the city of Nashville. Most metropolitan areas and and larger cities, well, really most cities have some sort of healthcare organization that is intended or was established at least in part to provide care to those people who normally may not receive it. And particularly those are the the underserved, those who may not have health insurance or often do not have the ability to pay either because they're low income, in some cases they're homeless. Uh, We also provide care for the prisoners within the Davidson County prison system. So we we serve a, a unique subset of the population here in Nashville, but we also do provide care to citizens across the city of Nashville, uh, including those who work for the city of Nashville and, and others across the spectrum. And I, I lead a small analytics team here at the hospital, uh, and we are working to develop and implement analytics solutions that will help us become a better organization in certain areas like population health and our operating room and just basic hospital throughput and many of the other issues that nearly every healthcare organization faces every day so that we can become a much more efficient and especially given our situation within the city of Nashville since we receive about 40% of our funding directly from the city of Nashville via essentially taxpayer dollars. We want to make sure that we're as good stewards as we can be of those financial resources. So analytics also helps helps us identify opportunities to save costs and improve the way that we do things such that we're as efficient as possible. Well, that's really interesting. On the two issues that you just mentioned, first, saving costs, and second, improving outcomes, what are the attributes that you look for in order to identify a good opportunity to either save costs or improve outcomes in a hospital system, given how many different opportunities and different potential analytics projects you might have? Well, I, I like to think about the application of analytics from two directions. And, you know, people who have a deep background in data science and people that are especially more technically focused will oftentimes start with the data. They'll start with a massive, massive repository of data, if you will, for lack of a better term, and just jump in and start exploring and applying algorithms and seeing what bubbles up to the surface in terms of patterns that might not have been formally known or other relationships that might exist. And there's certainly a time and place for that. The approach that I typically take is let's first understand what is the organization's strategy and what is it that the organization is trying to accomplish from a strategic and operational perspective. So I I typically take the approach of really understanding what the, the organizational objectives are and really exploring a particular problem 
so that we understand fully the context and what the barriers to impact might be, who the stakeholders are, et cetera. And I, I like to utilize that process because it ensures that any of the analytics that we deliver, any of the projects that we pursue are in alignment with and support the organizational strategy. So to talk a little bit more about what you had just mentioned, we have three primary care clinics within our system, two of which are on site and one of which is actually about a mile or so away from our, our hospital building. For two of those three primary care clinics, we're in the process of applying for the first time for recognition under the NCQA, the National Committee on Quality Assurance, for their patient-centered medical home accreditation and recognition. And essentially, a patient-centered medical home is a, uh, it's a way of delivering healthcare. It's a framework for delivering healthcare such that it's all centered around the patient, hence the name. And in modern healthcare, the focus is really on prevention rather than cure. So a significant focus for us as an organization is population health. And really population health, one way that I like to think about it is that it's focusing more on well care than on sick care. Because historically, healthcare organizations have focused on a patient comes in and they're sick, so we treat the patient, we get them stabilized, we get them a little bit better, and then we discharge them. And there's a very high likelihood, especially if they have chronic conditions or if they're older, or maybe they have some other socioeconomic factors that are not favorable, there's a pretty high likelihood that they're going to end up right back in your hospital, sometimes for the same exact reason. And of course, that's not efficient. That's a very high cost of care delivery. So for us as an organization, as it is for many healthcare organizations around the country, we're focusing more on population health and the idea of a patient-centered medical home really fosters and promotes that. So the reason I bring that up is because in order to achieve that recognition and that certification, you have to demonstrate in, in many cases through analytics that you are achieving certain outcomes or that you're able to deliver care in a particular way. And so there's, there's several elements within the framework with respect to knowing and managing your patients, with respect to care coordination, and certainly there's an element of quality improvement and ensuring that those outcomes are what they need to be. And, you know, to be quite honest, us as a hospital, we are very early in our analytic maturity. So at this point in time, we are not doing any predictive analytics, and it's simply because uh, we're just at the beginning of establishing our data infrastructure, establishing our data governance frameworks, ensuring that uh, we're, we're in the early stages of building a data warehouse. So I know I'm getting a little bit off topic, but it's just to illustrate that while we do see opportunities for cost savings and opportunities for outcomes, a lot of that, at least at this point in time for us, is just providing the initial information and determining and supplying the benchmarks and those sort of non-predictive things, the, the non-sexy things, if you will, that are still critical for an organization to be able to understand. But as we continue to build our data infrastructure and implement the structure and processes for more advanced analytics down the road, that's really going to set us up for being able to really identify some unique opportunities for cost savings and, and outcomes improvement. But we're we're a little early in our development, but we're we're definitely making some strides and we're continuing to move forward. Well, thank you for that level of candor on where you are in your data analytics or data analysis journey. 
you know, not all of us are working full time on, you know, the AI, the machine learning, the sophisticated algorithms, but instead, most of us spend a lot of our time just laying that groundwork for incremental improvement in our data capabilities. Of course, no one minds looking like Tony Stark and having all that cool tech and being at the front of your field. But the fact is, success is built on a lot of us putting in that practical footwork to provide the platform for further improvement. And now on the issue of all things practical and data, we have the Conference of Statistical Practice, CSP 2020. And true to its name, CSP has put heavy focus on applications, ensuring that any data scientist or practitioner can listen to a talk and walk away with concrete ideas that they can immediately put into action. Could you give us an overview of CSP 2020? Okay. So the name of the conference is really a good descriptor, I think. And for me, the P, the, the word that starts with P is the most important. That is, it's the Conference on Statistical Practice. So unlike JSM, the Conference on Statistical Practice, or CSP as we typically refer to it, is much more of an applied conference. So you know, if you're wanting to learn about cutting edge uh, new tests or new procedures that are being implemented or explored or designed in statistics, this is really not the conference for you. That's not to say that there aren't presentations or sessions that incorporate cutting edge technologies or cutting edge algorithms or tests or however you want to describe them, but that's not the focus of the conference. The focus is really on how do those who are professional statisticians or data analysts who are not necessarily researchers, but are instead responsible for helping their organizations improve through the application of statistics and analytics, how do those people make more of an impact in their organizations? And it really is that idea of organizational impact that's important. And to me, having attended both JSM and CSP in the past, the difference is, is really noteworthy. You know, JSM, for those people who have been, know that it can be extremely overwhelming and there's thousands of people there. Whereas CSP, our attendance over the last few years has been somewhere around the three to 400 range. Uh, it kind of shifts a little bit depending on where the conference is. Uh, but it's a much more intimate conference. It's much easier to network with others. It's much easier to find people who share common ideas or are struggling with similar problems and just, you know, talk about how they're doing things and really make some meaningful connections. So I find it to be a very engaging conference every time that I go and I always come away with something really meaningful. And, you know, the times I've been to JSM, it's not at all to say that JSM is a bad conference because it's, it's obviously excellent and it's the cornerstone of the ASA's conference lineup. But it can be a little overwhelming and it can be difficult sometimes to navigate your way through that conference and make sure that you're going to the things that you need to. And CSP, I find, is, is a lot easier to do that. But of course, it's more focused on the practice element and the application of statistics rather than the theoretical development and uh, theoretical background of statistics. On the issue of practicality, I was looking through the conference uh, agenda for this year, and I was really impressed to see the variety of things where I thought it's like, oh, that looks really cool and useful. 
where there are many things where, for example, in the computing track, uh, when you talked about the cutting edge technology, that there is cutting edge technology that's being discussed, but it's the cutting edge technology of helping statisticians apply their statistics within an organizational framework, or it's a cutting edge technology about helping a statistician or data scientist deploy their model in an easier way so they can get a better return on their time. So the cutting edge is more around that sort of user interface with statistics. There's also issues like giving advice on careers, for example, where as the profession gets more and more ingrained as a part of these larger organizations and having an interface, where there's the cutting edge of the best advice and the best practice on how to interface with people outside your career. So maybe we could drop down and talk about some of the different tracks that are in the conference and what people might be looking to get from them. Absolutely. So... And just to, I really like the point that you made there as you were talking about the different you know, leading technologies and how they're, they're demonstrated. One of the things I think really, you know, for people who have not been to CSP, but maybe have been to JSM, you might go to a session at JSM that's around a particular machine learning technique, let's say, or some new statistical test. And the focus of the session is typically on the method itself. And there might be a little bit of discussion of a specific application or a potential specific application, but the focus of the talk is really on the method itself. At CSP, it's really just the opposite. While the method might be at the core of the session and you know that, that sort of serves as the focus of it from a standpoint of what the approach would be, Nearly every talk that I've been to at CSP that's of more of a technical nature is always sort of enveloped by the business problem. So, you know, it's that idea of the focus of the talk is not necessarily just on the algorithm itself, but more so the different types of, again, here's this word, application of certain methods and how it can be a benefit in a particular setting. And sometimes it's specific to a, a particular industry like healthcare or manufacturing. But I used to work in the music industry, actually, before I got into healthcare, and I was going to CSP even when I was still in the music industry. And of course, there was never a talk about the application of statistics in the music industry. So I really had to work to identify ways of translating what people are doing in other industries to what I was doing. And it, you know, I usually was able to make that connection. So that's, that's always a, a benefit, I think, in you know, thinking about how CSP is structured and how it differs from JSM. So to your comment about the different themes, yes, there are four themes currently, and we as a steering committee, because I'm, I'm actually the chair of the steering committee for the 2021 conference, and one of the things that we're in the early stages of doing is reviewing the themes just to make sure that we're keeping the conference fresh. But the four themes that we have in the conference currently, uh, one of which is focused on data modeling and analysis. And it's, you know, the description there is pretty self-explanatory. We typically see the largest number of sessions, generally speaking, within that particular theme. And it's, you know, it's all about different approaches, different methods, and, and how, how those methods can be used to solve particular business problems, as I was just mentioning. There's also a particular theme that's focused around data science and big data. This one is continuing to evolve. Obviously, this is an area of analytics and statistics that seems to change every day. So this has been part of our conference in some form or fashion since the beginning, but we're currently reviewing this to make sure that we're staying on top of things. Another theme is focused on software, programming, and data visualization. And so this is 
you know, you have a lot of your sessions that focus on some aspect or some particular package in R. You typically have a few sessions that focus on something in SaaS. Uh, we've even had a couple that integrate or incorporate Tableau or Power BI or some of your other data visualization tools or perhaps Shiny within R. Uh, because data visualization as a communication tool, as I'm sure you know, is becoming much more of an important skill and an important component of analytics and statistics in practice today. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the major themes for the first quarter of this podcast is actually on data platforms for healthcare technology. We're trying to focus on how, in addition to fancy data analysis, that a lot of the value that healthcare technology companies are delivering to their clients and to their patients is simply access to the data via a data platform. So whether or not that's helping to visualize the data and better sort through it and explore the data, or alternatively ways to curate the data so that it can be more easily implemented in decisions farther down the analytics pipeline. So yeah, it's it's something that we've really been trying to focus on and understand a bit better is how do these data platforms fit in to this data ecosystem and how are they actually delivering value in ways beyond simply analyzing the data. Interesting, yes. So the fourth theme to piggyback on the comment that you just made, the fourth theme in the conference and perhaps my personal favorite, I've been, uh, I've had the, the privilege of working on the subcommittee that's helped steer this theme over the years, is called communication, collaboration and career development. And this is, a theme that really focuses on the statistician's ability to effectively communicate the work that they do to others in their organization and other people that they might be engaging with. And the idea of collaboration and statistical collaboration in particular. We've had um, a couple of people over the years who have presented several workshops on statistical collaboration. Uh, and it's the idea of as a statistician, how do you effectively collaborate with someone or with a team of people who are not statisticians such that you can understand what their problem is, you're able to effectively determine what it is they're trying to accomplish, and then be able to translate what their objectives are into a statistical problem or an analytics problem. And that, that effective collaboration between two people or two groups of people who, in some instances, actually speak very different languages. Uh, and then the aspect of career development, that's something that I don't know everyone really thinks about a lot. And especially as a, as a practicing statistician, how do you ensure that you're doing the things that you need to be doing so that you are continuing to keep your career moving forward and you're able to achieve your personal objectives for where you want to be within your career? So we've had sessions within this theme around networking. Eric Vance from Colorado State actually actually leads the uh, the LISA program, which is the Laboratory for Interdisciplinary Statistical Analysis. And it's this unique program, I think he started it at Virginia Tech, that helps students learn the skills of being an effective collaborator within an organization that working with people who are not statisticians. So there's been several presentations around that. Uh, I've given presentations in the past around how to become a better public speaker and how to improve your ability as a public speaker and a presenter so that when you do have to present information to an audience, you can do so effectively 
and not fall into many of the common traps that sometimes people who haven't developed that skill can fall into and have, unfortunately, that situation undermine the effectiveness of their message. So it's, it's really a unique theme, and we've gotten a lot of positive feedback around that theme in particular over the years. And it's really one of those areas or elements of CSP that I think really sets it apart from some of the other ASA conferences. That's really interesting, and it reminds me of a fairly recent development that we're seeing in many companies trying to balance helping a technical professional grow their career while still ensuring that they can continue to work and focus on the technical aspects at which they most excel. So, for example, the question of if you have a talented data scientist or an engineer, do you promote them by moving them up further into management? Or alternatively, do you help them simply collaborate with more people so that their coworkers can benefit from their expertise, but it keeps them focused on their core skill, which is essentially technical development? Are issues like that covered in this? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, within that theme, that is definitely, and I want to say we've actually had a session in the not too distant past that was around that particular topic. Uh, because, it, you know, for years, we've all assumed that the way that you progress in an organization and progress in your career is that if you want to continue to progress at some point in time, you're going to have to manage people. And of course, that's not a skill that everyone has nor necessarily wants to perform. I've known some very, very skilled data scientists and statisticians who have the desire to continue to progress in their career, but they, under no circumstances, want to have the responsibility of managing anyone. So there is that need, and, and I think organizations that recognize that are going to be much better suited to retaining talent and continuing to build their internal teams than those organizations that don't. And I've had personal experience with this. Prior to coming to Nashville General, I was actually part of an enterprise analytics team at uh, Vanderbilt Medical Center. And I was there for three and a half years, and I guess for about the first year and a half or so, I was an individual contributor and was not managing anyone. But as the team began to grow, I was given the opportunity of managing one of the sub teams, if you will, within the larger enterprise analytics team. And I had to make that conscious decision. And this is, you know, for every everyone who is thinking about the next step in their career, they have to make the conscious decision of do I or do I not want to be in a managerial role? And recognizing that not everyone does, the director of our team at Vanderbilt, uh, several of us worked together to develop a five-level progression that enabled those individual contributors to continue to progress and to get more prestigious titles and salary increases and additional responsibility from a technical perspective, but still not having the responsibility of managing people. And so, for example, the, and I'm trying to remember all five levels off the top of my head, but we had the title of analytics consultant was what we called every person, most of the individual contributors on the team. And so someone who might have come in, you know, pretty much right out of school with very, very little experience would typically come in. I think the title that we used was associate analytics consultant. And then they had the opportunity to progress to just analytics consultant, essentially dropping the associate title. And then there was principal analytics consultant, and then there was a step in there, I forget, but then the top was lead analytics consultant. 
And the idea was it's exactly what you're asking about, that this gives people the opportunity to progress in their technical careers with that managerial experience. And that, you know, navigating that can be difficult just as it can be if you're going into a managerial track. And so within the CSP, there definitely have been sessions focused on how to use an org as an individual, continue to develop your skills, technical and non-technical, so that you can continue to progress even if you decide to be an individual contributor. So that's that's definitely an important component of developing and leading and, and keeping an analytics and statistical practice team engaged and your retention as high as you possibly can. That's really interesting. So if the topics of CSP 2020 have piqued anyone's interest, you know, if they want to learn more about the newest software to help with deployment or visualization for practicing statisticians, or alternatively, they want to have some idea about how to better navigate the career tracks that technical experts can have. Or alternatively, you know, one of the main things I really like about CSP is that due to its focus, it really brings in presenters who are good at explaining why their particular statistical approach or method is well-suited for their given application. You know, because one of the main values of analytics or machine learning is when you go beyond the vanilla algorithm and really tailor it to your given application so it is working reliably. And because of CSP's applied practical focus, it has a lot to offer to practitioners in the field. So, Eric, are there any other takeaways that people should have if they are interested? Well, yes, I, I encourage everyone, if you're interested, uh, definitely come visit CSP. It might be a little late to attend this year if you're not already planning on it. It's it's in Sacramento in just a couple of weeks. Uh, it happens typically the third week of February, third or fourth week of February each year around the 20th. And so, again, it's in Sacramento this year. I'm really excited about CSP 2021 because it's going to be here in Nashville. And I've been, I've been on the steering committee for the conference since the second year in 2013. The conference actually began in 2012. And I went to the first conference and was so engaged and so excited about it that I volunteered to be on the steering committee and have been on it ever since. And I've long been lobbying the ASA to host it in Nashville because they've been typically going back and forth from West Coast to East Coast. Uh, for the most part over the last few years. And finally, we're going to be hosting it in Nashville in 2021. So I definitely encourage everyone to make plans to visit us here in Nash Vegas, as we like to call it here. Because if you've never been to CSP, it's obviously a great event, as we've discussed. And if you've never been to Nashville, it's a really fun town. And we're going to have uh, a lot of, I'm sure there will be a lot of exciting and a lot of fun events even outside of the conference for you to take advantage of and you know maybe make a, a long weekend out of it. It's a, it's a great place to visit. So I definitely encourage people to make plans for CSP 2021 here in Nashville. Great, Eric. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been great hearing not only about how you work in your own professional capacity to develop and prioritize hospital analytics, but also the ways in which uh, CSP is providing opportunities for people, one, to talk about the practical elements of their work, and also to boost their skills, both technically in learning about the most cutting edge technologies for, for example, deploying their work and communicating their work, but also from a professional's perspective of how to grow in your career as a data scientist. Thanks again for your insights today and uh, hope to have you back again soon. Great, thanks Glenn, appreciate the, uh, the invitation and look forward to hopefully meeting you soon. Well, that's it for this episode of the Pod of Asclepius. 
We hope you enjoyed it and will tune in for our next episode. If you're watching from YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and leave a like. You can also follow us on our other social media channels, including LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Have a great story or presentation that's ready for prime time? Or know someone who does? Drop Glenn an email because he'd be happy to hear from you. We would like to thank our sponsors from the American Statistical Association section on Statistical Learning and Data Science, section on Medical Devices and Diagnostics, and North Carolina Chapter. The views expressed on the show are those of the speaker and not their employers, our sponsors, or anyone else not saying